Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to our second reading, the first epistle general of John, chapter 1, and reading for our text, the first three verses. 1 John, chapter 1, the first three verses. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, the first three verses, the word that is specifically upon my spirit is at the end of verse 1, the word of life. The word of life. And it is the experience of the word of life that we have before us this morning. Now by nature we are dead, dead in trespasses and sins. Our first parents fell, they transgressed, they broke the commandment of God and God has said that in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And so death is in the world, men die, we know we must die, must be laid in the grave. After that there is the judgment, and then either eternal life or eternal death, but a conscious existence of the soul, and a resurrection, a joining of the body to the soul again. But here in this life we are also spiritually dead. The natural man, we're told, receiveth not the things of God, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And it is vital that we be given life. In fact, our Lord insists in the Gospel according to John and chapter 3 that we must be born again or begin life again. Not naturally, as Nicodemus, who he was speaking to, thought it meant to be born again in the mother's womb, but spiritually he must be born again. And to be born again we need life. And so we have in the word of our text the experience of the word of life. Now, the apostles, they were witnesses of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ to his Godhead, to who he was, that he is the eternal Son of God and that it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that that life comes. And they testify here of their experience of him on earth and testify that he is the word of life. And that is what is before us this morning, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ as the true and eternal God 
and not only to him as that, but as the true word, the word of life, so that those of us who will never see him in the flesh, yet we will know those things that the Apostle speaks of in a spiritual way, though they saw him with their literal eyes. So on to look then and confining our thoughts this morning, firstly, to the word of life, Jesus Christ. And then secondly, a personal experience of the word of life. That is very evident, set forth in the words of our text. And then thirdly, an experience to be shared. In verse 3, the Apostle says, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. He is in this epistle, and really in all the Gospels, they are sharing their experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also are to do the same. But firstly, the word of life, Jesus Christ. Now what is the first thing that is set before us is that these apostles, these men, John, that they had seen Jesus of Nazareth in the flesh. Many had seen him in the flesh. He was a real man. The Jews deridingly said that he was Jesus, the son of Joseph, the carpenter's son. But John and the Apostles had much different to save him than that. In fact, we read in the Gospel, according to John, that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Word, and with a capital, the Word incarnate, was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, Without him was not anything made that was made. And then he introduces again this teaching. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that life gave life in a natural way to creation, but it also gives life in a spiritual way. John, when he comes to the end of his epistle, uh, or no, the end of the gospel rather, in chapter 20, second to last chapter, he says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So he gathers these things together, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, if he was not the eternal Son of God, then there's no warrant for following him, for thinking the scriptures fulfilled, and certainly there could not be thought that there should be life through his name. It's easy for us who have been brought up under the sound of the truth We're very familiar with the gospel accounts to put ourselves in the place of those that lived in the time of Christ and to see a man that the Jews, all they saw 
was a man. Nothing different, no halo over his head, no stature even like Saul who stood above all of the people. No, uh, Isaiah said, he is no form nor comeliness that when we see him that we should desire him. He is a root out of a dry ground. There was nothing in him to proclaim who he was and from whence he came. And yet, John the Baptist, who was sent before, he proclaimed him, pointed to him as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the Jews would have well known what had been prefigured by the Lamb in all of the sacrifices, the Passover Lamb, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the great idea there, that without that lamb, without the Passover, without sheltering beneath that blood, the destroying angel would have destroyed the firstborn in each of those houses. So that lamb was the difference between life and death. And the Lord Jesus Christ who is that great antitype of the Passover lamb, he who said to his disciples with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, and having eaten the Passover with them, he then instituted the Lord's Supper, and he has set himself forth as he truly is, the Lamb of God, the Passover lamb, and life. And so, the apostles were very clear here in, in giving a real witness and they say that which, and going back to the verses of our text in 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. They heard him. These apostles, they spoke, they heard the Lord Jesus Christ literally speaking to them. And they saw him with their eyes. They saw him. And then they say, which we have looked upon. They looked upon in all the years of his ministry, but especially when it comes to his resurrection. Because, of course, our Lord came. And he came as the Passover lamb to be slain, to be sacrificed, to die. Where is there life in death? Where is there? If the Lord had not risen from the dead, where would the life be then? How vital that it be established that Jesus is the Son of God, he is the true God, and that having suffered and borne the sins of his people, endured the wrath of God, fulfilled the law, made it honourable, paid the debt was due to his people, that he then rose again from the dead. That is absolutely vital that that was the case. We read in Luke 24, where the Lord appeared to his disciples in the upper room. Jesus stood in the midst of them, said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. And there they had to look at that it is I myself, handle me and see. 
For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see we have. And so when the, he says in our text that which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, he is speaking of a risen Saviour, a risen Jesus, he that truly laid down his life and took it again. We have seen and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. That's very, very clear in our text where the Apostle is speaking of the word of life. is not just speaking of a written word, though it is the written word, but it is the Lord Jesus Christ he is speaking of, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest unto us. And uh, so the Apostle is first establishing very clearly that the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal God, that he showed himself to them, that they saw him, heard him. He truly was a real man. And he truly laid down his life as a ransom and took it again. And this is the, this is the message. And John, as we said before, so emphasized more than any other of the evangelists and the apostles he dwells upon this, the vital necessity that Jesus of Nazareth is viewed, believed on as the Son of God. This was the testimony that Philip desired of the eunuch when the eunuch desired to be baptised. If thou believest uh, with all thine heart thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And this is the message that is given us here. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now I want to go one step further here is what John is setting forth. When John is writing to the churches here, we'll say our Lord Jesus Christ has ascended up into heaven. He is no longer to be seen as John and the apostles had seen him. No longer can he be handled. No longer can his voice be heard as it was to them. But we are given the word, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole of the word of God from Genesis right through to the Revelation is the word of God. It is inspired, it is breathed, God breathed by the Holy Spirit, he is the author of the word of God. Through many human authors, they wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the Lord Jesus Christ, one with the Father and the Spirit, the word is his word. And it is vital for us to realise that. So when we have in our text the word of life, John is specifically choosing how he is describing the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say 
that which we have looked upon our hands have handled of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is choosing to use this description, the word of life. And that word of life is what the church of God has now, you and I have now, in the holy scriptures of truth. Through the scriptures of truth, we will see the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the scriptures of truth, we will hear him. And we also will handle those precious truths in our experience. It's vital to come to that. We've had it emphasised and, and, and several times of late, whether here and elsewhere, uh, that through the Word of God, it is the Word of God by which He is known. God is a spirit. God Himself cannot be seen. God manifest in the flesh, Emmanuel God with us, the Lord Jesus, could be seen. A real body, the same, we have it in the articles of faith, the same flesh and bones that hung upon the cross are now in heaven. And so uh, when the Lord created the world, he created it with the word, he spake and it was done. When he appeared to Adam after he had fell, Adam heard the voice or the word of the Lord in the Garden of Eden and he hid himself. How the Lord blesses the church is through the word. His ministers preach the word. They preach Jesus Christ. We see him no more, but his spirit is given us. And those of the Thessalonians receive the word, not in word only, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And so here the Apostle establishes first, the word of life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is given this title, the word of life, because he is one with the written word. Jesus and the written word in all things are the same. And what John speaks here of is how they have had experience with the Lord Jesus personally may be applied in a spiritual way to those who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, seen and heard him by experience themselves. I want to look then, secondly, a personal experience of the word of life. John here, he is speaking of his own personal experience. But each one of the people of God are to have a personal experience. Our Lord in John 10, he speaks of his sheep. My sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. That did not apply just to the time when he was upon earth. It applies right to the end of time. How is his voice heard? Through the word of God, through the ministry of the word. He that heareth you, heareth me, 
And he that heareth me, heareth my Father that sent me. The Word is one. And uh, so the experience of it is vital. Our Lord insisting he must be born again. He must be born again spiritually. And the insistence that there be a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, a receiving him, embracing him as one's only hope for time and eternity, as the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. So our Lord is known as the word to his people. Maybe this morning tried and tempted that you do not really know or love the Lord as you should. Some people may feel they've got to even imagine the Lord or think on him as a person. But when we have it set before us here, that the way that we know and handle and love the Lord Jesus Christ is through his word, then it comes right where we are as we receive blessing through the word of God. And so when we think of how it's set before us here, the apostle, he first says, which we have heard. How vital it is that the word of God, the Holy Bible, be sent throughout all the world, all the world. It is a great, great blessing, vital blessing, to hear the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach except they be sent? It is through the word of God that we know all that we do know about God about ourselves, about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other revelation apart from the Holy Bible. And it's a great blessing the Lord has seen fit that as his dear people are brought to the word of God, they hear it as they have never heard it before, not just with the outward ear, but hearing it inwardly. It affects them. It arrests them. They hear it with new ears. Oh, what a blessing it is to be quickened into life. I remember our late sister in faith, Dulcie Jealous, and she testified when she came before us as a church that uh, the Bible was a new Bible, the hymn book was a new hymn book, it wasn't really, but she was listening, she was hearing it as she hadn't heard before. And that is what the Lord says here through John, that when we hear the word like this, we have heard him. He has spoken to us through his word. In these last days he has spoken unto us through his Son. This is what we have set before us in the opening chapter of Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, 
hath in these last days, that's these gospel days, from Christ to the end of the world, unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And we have the same thing. He has spoken to us by his Son. How has he done that? Through the word of God. Every word of God is pure. It's received as the word of God, as the word of his beloved Son, and through the preaching of the word. An experience of that. Do we know what it is to hear the word of God? He said in the last day, the resurrection, that even the dead, those that are in the grave, shall hear the voice and word of the Son of God. But before that, in a spiritual way, there are those parts of the word of God that God has used for us. He's spoken to us. And we may say we have heard our Lord speaking to us through his word. That we have that mark of a sheep to hear his voice and then follow him. We're drawn to that. Our Lord says that no man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me uh, draw him. And I'll raise him up at the last day. And what are we drawn to? We're drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ in the word. Attracted to it. You think of the two on the way to Emmaus. They didn't know the stranger that was with them. They weren't drawn to him as a person. They didn't know who he was. But when he started speaking in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, then their heart burned within them. And that is the same with us. The Lord speaks to us in all the scriptures concerning himself, then our heart will burn within us. And where that has been the case, may we desire it to be the case again. And each time we read the word and each time we hear it preached may we desire to hear our saviour speak hear the lord jesus christ speaking to us through his word which we have heard poor sinner can you say that can i say that i have heard his word and then which we have seen with our eyes spiritual eyes Psalmist says, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. We think of the man that was born blind, and spiritually we are all born blind. But the Lord opened his eyes, and he said that once I was blind, but now I see. And in a spiritual way, there are those things that by nature we never see in the word. We never understand. We cannot see it. Sometimes we might have someone try to explain something to us in words, just to explain maybe a natural thing or perhaps a mechanical thing or electrical thing or how something works. And they'll explain it and they'll speak all these words explaining it and at the end we'll say, I cannot see it. I cannot see it. Or I cannot understand it. And all that's been set before us is words, but we use the, the phrase that we cannot see at all. 
And you think of the Jews who really struggled to receive the idea of the Gentiles being brought into the bond of the covenant and to be blessed. And you think, how could they not have seen right through the prophecies of Isaiah, right through the Old Testament, it speaks of the Gentiles being brought in. How could they not have seen that? But they didn't, as it were, a veil over, over them. And the Apostle Paul speaks of that at this time, over the Jews, there's that veil that they cannot see, cannot understand. And the Lord first quickened my soul. It was at first as if the whole Bible was the law, and wherever I read, it brought me in as a guilty sinner. But then when the Lord blessed me with showing the Lord Jesus Christ, and then all the word, it had the gospel on every page. Wherever I turned, there was the gospel. There I saw it. The broken tables, even at Mount Sinai, they didn't, it wasn't remained like that broken. The Lord gave new tables and wrote in them the same law and put them they were to be put in the ark. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilling the law and making it honourable. And when we start to see those things in the word of God and our heart burns and warms and we love the word and we love what we have seen and we haven't seen it before and haven't understood it before, but now we do. And it's all done through the word of God, the Lord blessing the word of God. You saw you're troubled and tried and tempted whether you've truly been blessed, truly received the Lord or believed in the Lord or known him at all. It is in, in the compass of what the Lord has shown you through his word and how that word has been precious and Christ being precious as he's revealed to you through the word of God. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye have uh, joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Unto you which believe, he is precious. And we believe through the word of God. But then he is not only seen, but here it is handled. Have we handled the Lord? What does that mean? How have we handled the word? When we have seen a precious promise in the word of God, how have we handled that? Have we taken it to the throne of God? Have we taken it to the Lord in prayer? Have we pleaded that word, Lord, thou saidst? Thou would surely do thee good. Put the Lord in remembrance of why he came and why he suffered and what he has endured is how we handle it in prayer. By nature, we, we never handle the word of God. It doesn't affect our lives. We don't go home from the house of God and suddenly we put things right. We stop doing things. We change our arrangements or we start doing things. But when the Lord is in it, then we handle that word. We plead the promises. 
and receiving the fear nots. It comforts our heart. We handle that word in regulating the affairs in our life and what we do and don't do. We handle that word when we meditate upon it, when we feed upon it, when we are strengthened by it, when we use that as a, a reason why we do things or why we don't. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And the word is actually handled in that way. And solemn thing, Satan sometimes handles it. You think of how that he tempted our Lord Jesus Christ and came to him and brought him up to the pinnacle of the temple to cast thyself down from hence. For it is written that the angels shall uh, bear thee up in their arms, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And our Lord says that, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so Satan was handling the word of God deceitfully. And we were warned against that, especially in the ministry. But our Lord then brought that word again. And by comparing it, he put uh, Satan to fly. But the word of God is to be handled, handled in a gracious way, handled in a way like the Bereans did. When the Apostle Paul preached the word, then they went home, they searched the scriptures daily, whether these things were so, therefore many of them believed. Why? They found Christ there. What did Paul preach to them? Well, no doubt exactly what he preached to the Corinthians. I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was what the apostle preached and that is what they found consistent with the Old Testament scriptures, Christ in all the scriptures. And so they handled that word. How many times have the Psalms been on our lips in prayer? We've taken those same breathings and those things that have been the hope. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And the Psalmist's language is... Our own language. When we have read this poor man crying and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And sometimes that is just dropped in as just where we are. We think this poor man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is David walking it out. And our Lord walked it out and I'm walking it out. And we handle that word in that way that it becomes meat and drink to our soul. Except ye eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, ye have no life in you. And how is that done? It's done through the word of God. You know, the clean beasts, they chewed the cud. They not only ate it the first time, they went back over it again. And God's dear people are to do the same. And it's a precious thing when the Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance all things whatsoever the Lord has said unto you. The Lord says in John 17 that I have given them thy word 
and the world hath hated them. Notice that. What a difference it makes between God's people and the world. The world can't receive the word of God. They hate it. And they hate the Lord Jesus Christ. They want to separate, as it were, our Lord Jesus Christ from the written word and say, well, he is a God of love. Uh, we, we will rejoice in him, but you bring the word of God to them and they don't like that. They don't receive it. And so with the people of God, they not only receive the Lord, they receive his word. And so those that believed on the Lord in John 8, the Lord said to them, if ye continue, where? Continue following him? No, if ye continue in my word, then ye shall be my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so, as the apostle says here, they had handled the word of life, a risen saviour literally, but it is to be experienced. God's dear children, that life is manifest, it is shown to them, and it is life through his name and through the word of God. Thy words were found, said Jeremiah, and I did eat them. They were to the joy and rejoicing of my soul. Dear soul, have you, have I received and handled the word of life? Do we have a personal experience of the word? It's not just in the Bible, it's in our hearts. It's formed within us. God has put it there. And in the cup of salvation, we might be able to put one verse here and one verse there. One received at the beginning of the journey and many strewn along the way. Precious words. And those are precious to us because they've been words of life to our soul. How many times we can look upon when we've been so low, discouraged, disheartened, bowed down, and the Lord has spoken some of his words into our soul and immediately has revived us, strengthened us again, encouraged us again. A personal experience of the word of life. May the Lord bear witness that we do have a personal experience of the word of life. I want to look then thirdly at an experience to be shared. There's several aspects here. The first is that there is to bring tidings. Really, this is the gospel. It is the gospel tidings. It is the ministry of the word to bring the gospel through all the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is the king's son is dead, but the king's son is risen again. You remember the account of when Absalom was slain. And King David was waiting for tidings, waiting to know how the battle had gone between his men and Absalom's men. And 
Ahimaaz, he so wanted to go. But Joab said to him, Thou shalt not bring tidings this day, because the king's son is dead. And then he sent Cushai, and the charge to Cushai was, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. That's all he said. And then Ahimehaz, he badly wanted to go, and he overrun Cushai and got there first. And David, he wanted to know, was the young man Absalom safe? Uh, dear Ahimehaz, a good man, but he couldn't be faithful and clear in this. He says, I saw a tumult, but I knew not what it was. And yet Job had told him specifically what it was. Uh, and yet he couldn't, he couldn't be a faithful bearer of tidings. But Cushai, when he was asked, he was very clear that Absalom, that he be like all the enemies of the Lord. And David got the message that Absalom had been slain. But Cushai was bringing what he had actually seen. He was sharing his experience. He was bringing tidings, faithful tidings of what had happened. Now, every minister and the apostles here, they are bringing those tidings, faithful tidings. And may we share in your prayers to have grace that the trumpet give a certain sound that these tidings are that there is life in none other but in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Having him we have life. If we believe not that he is Christ, our Lord says, you shall perish in your sins. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. There is only one place where sin has been put away, and that is at Calvary. And it is by faith in his name that we are justified by all things, or counted without condemnation from all things by which we could not be justified by the law of Moses, not of works, but of faith in Christ and what he has done. Only one way of salvation. So the first experience to be shared, God sends not angels who have not experienced salvation, they have not experienced the precious blood of Christ applied to them, they have not experienced what it is to be a lost and ruined sinner to be found by God and to be redeemed by God. But it is men who bring what they have experienced of the truth of God and tell it to the people of God from the word of God. But then secondly, it is to uh, bear a witness. The apostle here is bearing witness Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Right through to the end of time, the Lord has a people that are to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we're very used to, if there is uh, things that happen, uh, criminal things that happen, or whatever things may happen, the courts of the land one major feature of establishing the truth 
is a witness. A witness that is a faithful witness. And every one of God's dear children are. We think of the man that was born blind. One thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. A faithful witness to what has been done. So may our experience that we have had be a witness, a witness to our neighbours, those around us, a experience to be shared with this thought in mind, the Lord in calling me, in blessing me with life through the word of God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, I am to be a witness to that fact, to those that are round about. The third way the experience is to be shared is making a profession of faith. Those that are baptised are baptised on profession of faith. And before that, they share their experience with the Church of God. Like those two on the way to Emmaus, they came back to the Apostles and they told what things were done in the way and how Jesus was made known unto them. Maybe it is that there are some of you that hear me this morning that have an experience of the word of life, but yet have not shared it and should share it. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will tell what he had done for my soul. Are we ashamed of it? Do we not want to share it? Is it not worthy of being shared? Or should it be that the Church of God hear of it and that we walk in the ordinance of baptism and in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper? The fourth thing is fellowship. And this is specifically set forth here in our text. In verse 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. It is a beautiful token that is given again later on in this epistle. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. But if you had the Lord's people gathered in a room, and they ought to sit there absolutely silent, they never told what God had done for them. They never shared anything. They never declared anything that had been done for them. How could there be any fellowship? It's only when one starts opening their mouth, sharing and speaking about what they felt, the experience of their souls, their sin, but the Lord's mercy to them, the answers to prayer that they've had, the Lord's kindness and the Parts of the word have been made very precious to them. And then the hearts of those that know the same things. They're drawn. They're drawn to what is said. And they're drawn to those who have said them. And then they have that sweet fellowship one with another. In the first place with God's people. But really what it is, is fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And this was the incentive. God's people are to speak often one to another 
They are to have fellowship. They are to see each other. We cannot see God. That's emphasized in this epistle here. We can see our brethren. We can see our brother, our sister in faith. We cannot see God, but we can have that fellowship with those who are partakers of the same benefit, the same blessing, the same favours. The word of life. May we then view our Lord Jesus Christ as that word of life and the scriptures bear a sweet savour and a different view perhaps than we had before after this morning. And may we realise that what we have had is a personal experience of the word of life and if we haven't, may we pray and ask the Lord that he would give us that personal experience that we might handle the word in prayer in pleading, in supplication, in thanksgiving, and that we might share that experience, what we have received and heard and been precious to us with the household of God and with all that would ask us of the reason for the hope that is within us. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.